0: Well, I'm glad you asked because as as our longtime listeners will know, you're the voice of reason and I'm an emotional wreck, so now I'm gonna lay a little of that on you. Welcome back, everyone, to Broadway and Clark, your favorite baseball podcast focusing on the St. Louis Cardinals, but we talk about the whole league. Uh, This is your host, Mark, along with my co-host, Duncan, and we are in frigid St. Louis, Missouri, where we've been dipping under... Zero, which doesn't happen very often around here. We got some members of the family from Minnesota and Wisconsin and all those folks think this is normal. I'm here to tell you there's absolutely nothing normal about it. We got a we got a little water pipe situation that requires a hairdryer every few hours. If you want to keep the water running, it's it's uh, it's been a lot of fun here the last few days. Uh, You know, obviously grateful we got good heat. We got a, you know, pretty solid house that we're living in that uh, keeps us warm. But, uh, you know, while we're dealing with this polar vortex that I guess the uh, Iowa caucus goers had to brave this evening or are doing right now as we speak, we're coming to you on Monday, the 15th of January. Uh, just right at one month till pitchers and catchers report. So baseball season right around the corner, and this cold weather that we're experiencing will soon be gone. It'll soon be a beautiful spring leading to maybe a little bit warm on a few days summer here in St. Louis, but we're used to that, and that's the kind of weather we like when the Cardinals are playing baseball. Uh, as is their tradition, every January the Cardinals hold a pretty cool event that a lot of the fans really love. I've never had the pleasure of attending, but it's one of those bucket list things that you feel like you're always going to get a chance to get to. Uh, but this week they are having, or was it last weekend, they were having the uh, what they call the winter warm-up. It's a big Cardinals event. A lot of uh, current and former players will attend. The current managers almost always there, and they have a number of different little events and attractions for the fans. Uh, they make it very family and fan friendly. So it's a, it's a it's just one of the one of the many awesome things the Cardinals as an organization do. And, Duncan, um, you were mentioning something to me that you had uh, seen a few interviews that had been conducted there and had some other thoughts on some things you had heard coming out of the warm-up. Uh, can you fill us in a little bit about that? Yeah,
1: so winter warm-up, great time for Cardinals fans, like you said. Always uh, good uh, a good uh, time to get the players and coaches and front office staff Uh, in front of some microphones and ask some more direct questions you see so much through the medium of of articles and and twitter x whatever social media uh, most of the time during the off season so this is nice sort of feels like that more in-person style um, of information gathering uh, that you normally see during the season and so you're uh, starting to look towards uh, towards spring, like you said, as that's approaching quickly, and it's starting to feel more like the baseball season. So it's exciting uh, in that regard. Uh, I'll say right up top, too, you could probably already tell by my voice, feeling a little bit under the weather. Um, this uh, polar vortex, like you said, has not been uh, kind to me. Same with um, any... Uh, flu like things the kids are bringing home from school and, and preschool and those kind of things so we're uh we're soldiering through right now though but uh, as far as winter warm up goes like you mentioned a couple things to just kind of point out too same seems like Mo has been on a uh media tour of sorts over the last what week or so he started with uh, i think an interview with Tom Ackerman on the seventh um, and has been doing interviews every few days since then and we've gotten some from the ownership group, um, and talking about some of the the TV deal things. Um, maybe that would be a nice episode just by itself. Maybe when we get some more information, but they had some interesting stuff to say um, there about um, potentials for like direct to consumer um, uh, style. Broadcasts and things like that if, if something goes south that they're exploring. So that's kind of exciting. Something similar to like with the Yes Network with the Yankees or something.
0: Did they say anything about uh, the whole Bally situation? I mean, we're going to have games all year, right?
1: We're going to have games all year. 2024 is guaranteed. Everything, All the revenue is guaranteed essentially through this current or this upcoming season. They know all of that. And then the, the question marks come for the following years, which is nice that. There aren't any question marks for like you know this spring training and you know three months from now when the season starts, uh which is good so and they have a little bit of time to kind of figure out some things um as far as what directions to go to next, so we'll wait. maybe we'll get some more information we can do a, a whole episode on that that might be a little bit dry, but well, whatever we'll see what we what we feel like doing yeah, that's good. um. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, some of the stuff that I wanted to kind of point out that uh, was interesting from some of Mo's interviews. There were a couple of other player interviews that I listened to that I absolutely loved. Just um, a couple things from a player side before I hop into Mo's stuff that I really loved. Um, listen to Jordan Walker's interview. I mean, I would I would run through a freaking brick wall for this guy. He I, he gets me so pumped up every time I listen to him. The the amount of excitement that he just has talking about anything and you can tell how much he loves baseball in general and just getting better and he's just having the best time and it just makes you excited and like makes you want to root for him and it's like it almost has that feeling of like when he finally like breaks through in terms of like when he when he becomes an all-star or He's that like perennial star in the game kind of a thing. Once he gets to that level, which I think is kind of the projection everyone kind of hopes he can get to and thinks he can, um, I think it's gonna feel like that kind of thing of like, oh, we kind of did it with him because he's so likable, and like you, you kind of attach yourself to that bandwagon, and you feel like you kind of did it too because he's so likable. So, I just wanted to say something about that because. Gosh, I love Jordan Walker so much. So if you haven't listened to that interview, hop on YouTube or something. You can find it pretty easy. Um, super, super good. Um, and then Mason Wynn was the other one that was really, really interesting. Um, just a couple things that he pointed out. They talked about really high-level stuff, got into the weeds on some mechanics and things like that, some stuff he's working on. He talked about getting rid of some of uh, of his leg kick, uh, being a little quicker to the ball, those kind of things. Um and then just talking about getting on base and being able to utilize his speed more and he's really hoping and having an expectation of having you know swiping 30 bags a year uh, something like that which that gets me excited because it's been a long time since we've seen the cardinals be a base stealing team and see some running on the base paths and i know that you mark have had a lot of um, life experience watching that with the Cardinals teams uh, back uh, in your younger days um, with Vince Coleman and uh, Willie McGee and, and some Whitey of those ball. guys, Ozzie Smith. Yeah, exactly. Greaties, so yeah. you got to see that firsthand but like I'm, I remember growing up with Tony La Russa and like you know he he would love to hit and run, but did not like to do a lot of stealing, and that really wasn't the style of play at that time either. It was the steroid era and everything too, so it was long ball, and it's kind of gotten worse from there. So uh, I'm excited to see some more action and, and running on the base paths. So really hoping that Mason Wynn can bump up his OBP and and really utilize that. Same with some of the other guys on the team too. So, but yeah, some of the other things that he mentioned too was talking about like the jumps from different levels uh triple a to the big leagues being the biggest jump uh than any of the other jumps that he's made in his uh time in the minors and talking about how you know in the minors you might go up a a level go from high a to double a and you're still you know the youngest of guys in about a three-year age gap uh from each other and then you know you jump from triple a to the bigs and you're still the youngest, but now you're playing against a guy who's been in the league for 15 years, and he has kids that... You know are a few grades behind you or something not quite that extreme but uh, basically guys who have been there a really long time and so talking about the speed of the game and he's trying to get bigger and faster he's put on put on some weight still wants to put on some more weight which is really interesting and, and to hear him kind of talk about that so he's sounds like he's really well in tune with what he needs to do what he needs to work on and what he has been working on and seems confident I'm excited to see what he can do in spring training um and the only other thing I wanted to point out from his interview at least was um, he said that he met with Goldie I guess uh, I think what I heard was he met with Goldie in Milwaukee for like a brunch last year, and they talked for like two hours um, about uh, I don't know if it was specifically about hitting just the big leagues in general life whatever uh, but to me, that was awesome to hear that Goldie was kind of uh taking up that mentor um role and and mentoring him a little bit um you know and in that time that i'm sure wasn't an easy time when you know the team's doing horrible and you're trying to come up and perform and maybe you're stretching a little bit and trying to to overperform um uh, something like that so uh, that was that was nice to hear um any thoughts about either of those from your end uh, from what i just mentioned on either of those interviews
0: Oh, So much, so much. Thanks for sharing that and bringing the fans and the listeners up to date a little bit, Dunk, and me for that matter. Uh, Yeah, the the warm-up traditionally, um, you know, there'll be some really juicy tidbits coming out of it, so uh, great on your part to be on top of that. We, uh, you know, we know we've been a little spotty with our pods over the last month or so. Uh, you know again our first year doing it we started uh you know pretty close to the trade deadline last season so we were uh we spent a few episodes crying about the sorry state of the team but as we've said on more than one occasion over the last few pods 2023 is in the rear view mirror uh the fact that Paul Goldschmidt was willing to give a couple hours of his time to a rookie, I think indicates two important things. One, uh, and a kid really that hadn't really even been on the route, you know, really hadn't been up, been called up yet, it sounds like, or just barely. Um, One, that Goldie, like everybody else, is an astute judge of uh, potential and knows, you know, probably knew long before you and I did that Mason Wynn was going to be a stud in the MLB, and that's what we're expecting. I mean, for me, it's one of the most exciting potentialities about this season. And secondly, it just, I, I, I don't think we have any idea and probably, will probably never know the, the real truth of it, but I just think Paul Goldschmidt is just a class individual in in almost every way. I mean, I'm sure there's a few people that, you know, maybe the fan that got snubbed for an autograph or something like that, although I feel like that's probably less a thing today than it was in the past.
1: There's more to those stories than just him being grumpy or something right, like that. Right. You, know, you and, never know and, what they're And is, every yeah.
0: player's done it. I mean, if every player signed every – you know, for every fan that wanted an autograph, they'd, you know, they'd never get any sleep. I mean, they, they'd be there all night after the game or, you know, traveling or whatever they're doing. So, but, but I just, I just think it, it just speaks volumes about the kind of guy Goldie is and because he does not play the media game, which for me, that just makes him even more awesome, but it does leave you know the the fans who depend on the media to follow the team, and the media itself. You know, kind of in a tough position. Uh, Katie Wu, who's been covering the Cardinals for the last couple of years, uh, you know, a, a pretty solid young reporter. She covers the team. You know, she's the beat writer, really. Any more? I mean, obviously, other than Derek Gould, who's you know the the senior uh writer and you know one of the most respected baseball writers uh in the game other than him she's really I think about it in terms of you know Denton I guess from MLB uh dot com yeah and there's others Ben Fred but she's she's by far the most prolific writer uh other than Gould and um you know, and and
1: she's with the athletic too.
0: Exactly. And she struggled to, um, she struggled to, you know, be able to, to say a ton about Goldie, but you can just tell by what she has written about him, uh, that she has a lot of respect for him. So, you know, it's, it's, I, I think it's a pretty universal thing. Some people that might, you know, exactly be their cup of tea that, You know, he's kind of, you know, likes to keep to himself, doesn't really like to engage a ton. Um, Although I thought he's had some decent interviews from time to time. So the fact that he was able to give or willing to give his time to win is just, you know, it's just great. But uh, the running game, you know, in the 80s, we didn't have the Internet for that matter. Um, And we had just a minimal amount of advanced statistics. And really, when Bill James came around toward the end of that decade, he was probably doing some of the work earlier, but he started putting out his uh, stat book every year. And uh, I always enjoyed those. He, He would always give some nuance to what was happening. And the running game fell out of favor because, you know, it's kind of like passing the football. You know, the old famous cliche that you know three things can happen when you pass the ball, and two of them are bad. Uh, kind of applied to the stolen base, right? I mean, you just you, the rule is you cannot give up and out. You know, on the base pass, you or,
1: only get twenty-seven.
0: You yeah. know, even even if you're an eighty, even if you're an eighty percent base stealer, I think the math almost doesn't work out. Um, but a couple of things happened, uh, obviously the big bases, uh, which that just happened, that just started last season. So we're just kind of scratching the surface of the potential and how much he could take advantage of that. Um, you know, everybody's bigger, stronger, faster. So while the runners are faster, the catchers are also faster and we just got done with, you know, 19 years of, of one of the greatest to ever do it. And we all know that nobody ran on Yachty. And so the, so it just kind of, and then of course with the three true outcome approach to the game, the launch angle that, you know, the young hitters are taught and, you know, of course the long ball that we all love um, that really just all those factors conspired to really diminish the importance of the stolen base, but when I was coming up, uh, first I start when I first moved to St. Louis. I had Lou Brock, who the base burglar, you know, for for a while anyway. About uh, I guess it was a decade and a half. He uh, had the all time record. He had broken Ty Cobb's record, um, and I, I forget what year it was. I want to say seventy six, but I could be off. Maybe that was the year he had the one hundred and eighteen. But anyway, he had set the record until, uh, you know, Ricky came along and told us all about Ricky. So uh, and, you know, I, I I throw a lot of shade at Ricky Henderson, but don't ever uh, don't ever let me mislead you. He was I mean, he was the greatest leadoff hitter ever. Just an amazing baseball player, an unusual human being. And he was never on any of my teams, always typically um, on teams I didn't care for, like the Yankees. So, you know, whatever. He was uh, he was amazing. But really, since he since his time, I guess it was around the mid 90s. It was, it was really I mean, frankly, it was probably the beginning of the steroid era or the the real ramping up of the use of steroids in baseball that. Uh, it just kind of fell out, fell out of favor. Well, now we've got, you know, a whole generation of players that uh, have been through testing and I just feel like it's just not in the game the way it used to be. And uh, so teams are starting to explore more, especially when you have a superior athlete, it's one of the tools, right? Speed's one of the five tools. And if you have it, And, uh, you know, you don't use it or don't try to take any kind of advantage of it. That is a, uh, you know, that's, I think something that you have to look at yourself and say, you know, are we, are we missing something here? Are we neglecting an opportunity to find another way to win? And, uh, you know, for, like I said, for guys that are really good at it, you know, we always would joke because, Albert and even Yachty were both, uh, base stealers that had, you know, uh, above average success, but, you know, I mean, it was a joke because Albert would steal three bases a year, whatever it was. Right. So, um, I'm excited about the potential for us to work that into the offense a little bit more. Uh, you know, I mean, we could and, and we'll maybe we'll take, you know, in another episode, we'll we'll uh, deep dive a little bit more into both the stolen base and the sacrifice. Another uh, dying art, in my opinion. Uh, back in the day when we played real baseball and the pitchers had to face the uh, their opposition, uh, they um, a pitcher that was a good bunner was that was just one more tool in the arsenal that was one more way to evaluate a pitcher and you know kind of determine his worth and uh so anyway that's that's really exciting to hear and and you know we always refer to mo for for any listeners that may just be dropping in for the first time first of all welcome to Broadway and Clark we hope you'll come back um often and uh, that you're as excited as we are about this upcoming cardinal season but when we refer to Mo, we're talking about John Mozalek. He uh the former general manager and for the last, I don't know, what's it been a decade almost by now, Dunk? Uh, the president of baseball operations for the St. Louis Cardinals, the uh Pobo, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh but that's that's Mo. That's uh Moselek. And you know, uh we've we've had him, well, you've had him in your life. For most of your life, you were probably seven or eight years old. Tail end of Waltz, uh, yeah, yeah. You were probably three when he joined the team, and he's you know had a had his uh, important role now for uh, better than twenty years, I believe. So most of your life, um, but he uh, he really they, they they blew it last year, and they know they blew it, and he he bet. He bet on some long shots or, you know, he kind of held his nose or crossed his fingers, whatever cliche you like. He uh, they were hopeful that the the you know, the main five that they brought in, which I think Dakota Hudson was one of them, wasn't he? He was last yeah. year. I mean, we just—it's you know between Waino and you know and Flaherty, then who didn't pitch the whole season—and it was a mess. And uh, it got away from us early, and we had a for us a historically bad season. It's kind of so, hard
1: to believe that that happened just this last year. Like it—it it seems like a fever dream. And you just like yeah. now, now that we're out of it, it's like. I guess that did actually happen. It's like it, – it seems like it's not even real because it just doesn't feel like something that would happen or could happen. But we don't have to worry well, about it anymore. it's the
0: exception that proves the rule, right? It's what makes this organization so strong and so yeah. historically strong is that – We're sitting around freaking out about the fact that we lost 90. There was a chance going into the last week of the season that they could not lose 90. They could finish it, you know, like 89. What would that be? 73 and 89 or 60. Yeah. 73 and 89. Uh, But unfortunately they weren't able to get that done. I I think it wound up being 71 and 91. They uh, it's, it was crazy, but it, I mean, it really started and ended with the pitching staff. Um, You could point to a few other factors, you know, Contreras getting used to being uh, over here. Uh, Nato, if for those of us that remember, Notto struggled mightily his first couple months as a Cardinal um, or his first full season as a Cardinal. He He did. Goldschmidt did as well coming over. uh, had Had a dip. Just like less
1: than normal, uh, as far as the well, first season. Yeah. And,
0: and I think in every one of those cases, uh, well, I think in, in Goldie's case, I think he wound up having a very solid season. Uh, Nato's first year probably wasn't his best, but, you know, he followed that up with a, you know, MVP caliber type season. Um, and, you know, he, uh, Last year he was hurt, so we got to get him back healthy uh, consistently. Um, but by the time he got hurt, you know the horse was, you know the hay was already in the barn, as they say. I mean that it was it was a done deal. Um, but I think what Mo, Moselak's comments at the warm up, you know, and it's it's I think they've been consistent with what we've heard. Uh, from him all offseason, really, he started talking about this before 23 was even over because we all knew there was nothing else to talk about but the future. He, um, you know, he he realizes, he knows, I, I think he's embarrassed by what happened. Um, and I think he takes a certain amount of personal responsibility for that, which he should. But it's to his credit, in my mind, and it's easy to hate. Uh, you know, uh, you go on Twitter any day, and you're going to find ten fire mosaics. You know, and and believe me, I've felt that way before too. You know, there is a thought that has the game passed him by. But I thought what we've done this off season, and it's it's never enough. Okay, let's just we already know that we're not going to read. We're not going to relitigate that we're not I'm not gonna make the point you know for ten minutes like I've already done four other times. but I just you know this is his response, I want to say could really i mean especially if we go out and have a really strong season, win the division, you know win the first round or competitive after that, however it shakes out. Everybody's going to be like, "Oh, twenty-three, don't remember it, don't even know," and 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 I think that's what he's hoping too, as well. Obviously, um, I mean, we all want the World Series, and as far as I'm concerned, we're going to win it until I until I have evidence to the contrary. I'm but, with you. Uh, all all great stuff from the warm up. Um, really good on your part. What uh, what were you going to say? You were just getting ready to jump in there.
1: No, no, no. I was just, I was just going to agree with you. I said, yeah, we're going to win the World Series unless they prove us wrong.
0: That's right. That's right. We're uh, we're going to go one hundred sixty two and zero, and if we lose on opening day, then it's going to be one hundred sixty one and one. So, I mean, it happens, and uh, well, it probably didn't happen quite to that extent, but we'll get as close as we can. Uh, and so that also, you know, along that vein, if you will. Um, You know, if you'll allow me, indulge me a little bit more. And I really want your thoughts on this. I know you and I have talked about this a little bit, but especially as we get into this last kind of, you know, this, you think about it, the, the, the ball club is already in spring training, right there. What's going on now is the stuff that we don't see. But, you know, the 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 equipment guys are getting everything together. They're making sure they have all the right stuff they need for each individual player. You know, you look at the the list of the non-roster invitees came out recently. And, you know, uh, like a, a Gordon Graceffo was on it and people like that. So we're going to be having some, you know, younger guys in spring training like every team does every year. Um but guys like I think Tacoa Roby's coming as well uh, and a few others. And, you know, and then of course you got your new players, you know, we got to figure out what they need and what they're, you know, what does Kyle Gibson want special in his locker at spring training? So the equipment staff's working on that, you know, obviously a bunch of the business staff is working on, you know, all the preparations, for the team, you know, you're talking about a pretty big operation just moving itself from St. Louis to uh, to Florida. So it's a big deal. And all that's happened, that's, that's what they're doing every day. It's probably what they've been doing, you know, honestly, since October, but, but really ramped up, I think, after the holidays. I think that's what they spend all of January and the first 10 days of February doing before they, you know, they literally head out and go down there, a lot of them. Uh, and then of course there'll still be the, you know, cause there's a, there's a bunch of people that work for the team that are just like you and I that just get up and, you know, go, well, in some cases we get up and go to our jobs every day, but regardless, if we physically do, we go to work, you know, and there's people that they're just, you know, eight to five, whatever, uh, five day a week cardinal employees. And so that's happening. And, but with everything that's happened since, uh, the end of the season, there has, you know, when, when the season ended, there was a collective anger and disappointment and, you know, that had been kind of ebbing and flowing all summer long. Uh, you know, we had that, we had Wayne O's swan song, which was tough. I mean, he certainly didn't pitch the way that Mo hoped at the beginning of the year. But we still, you know, I mean, we didn't care about that as fans. We loved the guy. We wanted to give him, you know, a full-throated goodbye that said, "Hey, you know, we love you. Thanks for everything." And so, you know, we arrive at October, we're we're frustrated, we're in disbelief, frankly, and then we roll into what was a pretty good postseason this year. Uh, you know, new teams, surprising teams, uh, team winning for the first time, you know, all that kind of cool stuff. So, but we weren't any part of it. And we talked about that, you know, you and I both reflected on the fact that it was weird not to have a rooting, you know, a direct rooting interest, our club not being in it. And then, you know, shortly after, Mo goes on his little, uh, you know, dynamic acquisition spree. And next thing you know, we got a full-blown starting staff. Now, is it a top three staff in the league? Probably not. I mean, it's not. But is it a top six or eight? I mean, absolutely has the potential to be. Is it good enough so that if we win the division, we can compete in the postseason? I think so. Uh, and and we don't know if they're done so we're not going to worry about you know what's going to happen over the next six weeks Uh, but we know the potential always exists and of course now we got that second season in in major league baseball I mean the trade deadline is when some of the biggest names in the game get moved anymore so you know we'll see we'll see where we stand as we go along with that but with all that We have been talking, and, you know, like I said, there's been plenty of hate for the front office. But, you know, if we wouldn't have moved that, if Mo wouldn't have moved that quickly to add the three starters, it was going to be kind of a rough holiday season. It was going to be, you know, wake up every day. Is there any new news? You know, check the phone. Do I have an alert? You know, what's going on with the ball club? And well, then
1: anytime any other person signs with any other team, you'd hear Mo, what are you doing? Do uh, yeah. something.
0: Yeah, what'd you say the other day? How come we couldn't get that deal? Like, yeah, like, yeah, like that's
1: what you'd be hearing. <laughs>
0: yeah, like it, like it's a menu, you know, where you just select. Okay, I'll have one Juan Soto and a Yamamoto. Yeah, I mean, it's just not how it works. So, but but even beyond that, Duncan, what? is the front office's responsibility to the fans in terms of potential deals, you know, guys they're talking to, guys they're talking to teams about? What do we, I mean, what is it that we really expect? And do we think about that before we're so quick to kind of lose our minds and 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 really want to go off on the front office. I I want I I'm going to I'm going to step back for a minute and I want you to take a couple minutes and just share your general ideas about that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting question, um one that uh I started thinking about when there was the uproar after there was the information came out that Tom Yanman had surgery. Uh, after the season and the uproar essentially was because um, there wasn't any disclosure of that information to anyone until, what was that, about two weeks ago probably or so, somewhere in there um, yeah, that that came that. out. And so everyone's upset that they, that they didn't know that Tommy Edmund was hurt and any, any of that information. I would love to get um, maybe some kind of journalist reporter um something like that their their take on this because um i think that it's a very interesting and kind of delicate almost like philosophical top topic of uh, you know the the reporters and journalists their job is to you know report that information from the team to the fan base and they're kind of the conduit of information um uh, for that to get to fans but at the same time is does the team have a responsibility to tell the fans everything that's happening i don't know maybe like should they tell us everything like i would i like to know that tommy edmonds hurt and had surgery yeah sure would that change anything about how i approached you know, talking about the off season, or would would that be the only thing that had changed? Would just be how I talked about the off season, and there wouldn't actually be any like substantial thing that actually changed about it. Uh, I, there was a lot of a lot of hate and everything about people not knowing where Tommy's status was or anything like that. Um, but I feel like this was something I was thinking about that like this kind of thing happens all the time within. You know, organizations of all kinds, but but sports organizations in particular, you think about times that something happens in the clubhouse and, you know, the manager is doing an interview after the game and they give some kind of politically correct answer or say that's going to be handled with within the clubhouse that never gets revealed as to what happened or if anything happened, I'm sure there's a ton of stuff that happens that we never hear about, but we as fans, do we necessarily have the right to know any of that stuff? I don't know. I would say no, because uh, I would say the, the responsibility of the team uh, or uh, the, the front office to the fans is to give updates on you know the status of things or something like that but like they don't need to they also don't need to divulge their entire process or strategy for you know the off season and I know that we would like that as fans because we have this you know fantasy football fantasy baseball mentality of now we can make we can put ourselves in the the GM seat and make the decisions and this is what I would do and I think this would be the best move for the team and you get, you get to have as much of the information as you can, so then you can create your own, um, you know, subway style, create your own sandwich kind of a thing, create your own team. Um, but in reality, the team and their expectation to the fans or what they owe to the fans um, is to put a winning ball club on the field. Now, you definitely could argue that the the front office did not do that last year, that's for sure. Uh, but that also doesn't mean that because they didn't do that last year, that therefore they need to tell you exactly what they're going to do and who they're trying to sign and who they're trying to trade for and what pieces they're going to trade and why they're going to trade them. I and like, they don't have to tell us all that either. Um, so it's like this weird balancing act. I would love to get some other perspectives on it too, some people who are like in the trenches on it. Cause I think that like my view of it, of reporters and stuff too and journalists and beat reporters that's their job to you know kind of pry that information investigate a little bit talk to different people and see who you can get uh to say certain things and then you can put pieces of the puzzles together uh like for example in one of the interviews that mo gave in the last number of days um he said, "Like people, they were asking about, like, you know, are you done yet for the off season, basically?" And he said, "No, we're not totally done yet. We're still paying attention to the free agent market, and we know there's still time to, for uh, to do some work." Is how he said it, which is a very different answer from him saying, uh, "You can't speak in ab- absolutes, and that's it." So there's there's more information, and you can kind of read the tea leaves, read between the lines, and piece together a puzzle to get your information from the front office. But I don't think it's the front office's job to tell you exactly what's going on. I think the the injury part of it is an interesting one. Um I don't know the details of it because I I I think what I had heard was that, you know, if somebody asked him after the season, you know, are there any other things that you're concerned about that you want to share? And he said no. Maybe it's just how the person asked the question and he decided not to say that Tommy was going to have surgery, you know, versus is someone hurt, then maybe it would be harder for him to say no. I don't know if that was the case, but yeah, that's kind of my general uh, thoughts on it. You know, it there's stuff that happens all the time where, you know, stuff stays in house um, or I actually had this, uh, this like opposite uh, vice versa sort of example of of uh kind of a clubhouse sort of thing uh example so like if you have i know you've heard on our um on another podcast a player talking about how they got aired out by a manager when during their playing days and basically the manager came to him and said i know that this is not on you and like Here's how I feel about it, actually, and how, you know, I want you to handle it going forward and blah, blah, blah. And like kind of talked to him about it and said, but I'm going to air you out to the media about it. And then he goes and airs him out. And so all that we see as fans or the media sees is just the manager airing out this guy. But then he's backing the player, you know, behind the scenes. And so what you see as a fan or as a media is not always face value what actually is happening. So. I don't know. You kind of have to take everything with a grain of salt, but that's just kind of my general thoughts on it. And I was kind of kind of rambling a little bit there, but it's it's a weird, complicated topic, and there's not a real good answer for it, as far as I can tell. What, are you, what do you think?
0: Well, I'm glad you asked, because uh, <laughs> as our longtime listeners will know, you're the voice of reason, and I'm an emotional wreck, so now I'm going to lay a little of that on you. Uh, Fire we, me up. we have no right, to know anything ever about anything about who they're signing about who's hurt about who they're going to hire about how we feel about our current hitting coach or pitching coach or manager or shortstop or any anything else here's how it works this is this is my you know obviously one man's opinion but I feel strongly about this Major League Baseball, professional sports in general, and we could, you and I, and maybe we should do a side pod someday, we could talk about misinformation, lack of information, subterfuge, and everything else that happens in the English Premier League. I mean, that's an art form. You know, the the American professional sports, you know, study what they do to learn. And, And, but it's because... We are ridiculous. All of us, all the people that aren't on the inside want to be on the inside who nobody wants that more than, Hey, I saw so-and-so out when I was a kid, I lived around the corner from some of the Cardinal bench players, you know, at different times because we lived in a very middle-class area and not for nothing, but back in the day, the ball players were still basically middle-class individuals unless they were stars. And so it, it was not that unusual. I went to grade school, middle school, and part of high school with Dow Maxfield's daughter because they lived by us. And they were, you know, and Maxie, I mean, he started out as a shortstop, light hitter, And uh, he, you know, ultimately wound up being part of the front office and all these other things. And I'm sure by the point he was doing that, uh, you know, he had improved his standard of living and improved where he lived. He probably didn't live where, uh, where my folks lived. And as a matter of fact, we didn't live there anymore. So, you know, there's everybody wants to know everything all the time. The only reason the ball club shares any information ever is because it's in their best interest. And that's what I want my ball club to do. I want them to do everything in their power to reach their stated goals. Now, in sports, it's very easy. We know the goal. The goal for every team every year is to win it all. And in Major League Baseball, that's the World Series. The Cardinals have done that 11 times, right? Yeah, 11. They've done it 11. They've been there like 25 or whatever it is, you know, uh, not not quite that many, maybe only 20. But point being is that they've been very successful throughout their history at achieving the goal, which is why it's such an anomaly when they don't when they have, you know, when they're out of it in May or June, whatever it was last year. Um, But in terms of like Tommy's injury, for example, well, if you're at your workplace, that's what you call a HIPAA violation. We have no right to know what's going on with now. If it makes sense for the club to say, Hey, Tommy's dealing with something we're a little bit concerned about next year or, you know, he's not really somebody we could consider moving right now because we don't feel like we would get the kind of return that we think he's worth. We need to get him back healthy, showing what he can do. And then if it makes sense to improve the ball club, you know, they have no uh, loyalty to individual players as a rule. I mean, there's only, you know, uh, a guy like Yachty only comes around so often. A Wayno only comes around so often. And guess what? If there was a couple times when Yachty was at the end of a contract where if the money wouldn't have worked out, the Cardinals would have had to move on and so would have he. It's because guess what? For the players, it's also a business. It's their job, right? So I don't want my boss telling everybody else in Not forget about my organization the whole world not that anybody would care but you know it's just the outsized attention uh and the nature of pro sports like you said we all feel like we're gms we have all the data we need we dissect i mean it's what you and i are doing right now we're talking about a team that isn't even scheduled to play a real game for another three months or whatever it is so I don't have any um, expectation that they're going to tell me anything. Every time they do tell me something, I'm happy to have the information. Um, I'm also, you know, I, it's not, I'm not to say I don't trust them or I think they're always lying to us, but they're going to tell us the version of the story they want us to hear. And
1: Yeah, you, you put it in that context. When you, when you hear that information, you're like, okay, why are they saying
0: that? Right, it's exactly right. And 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 so for fans, and then when it comes to, you know, I mean, we really take it to the, the furthest extreme because when I initially brought it up, I was thinking more about like, what are they doing in terms of, you know, getting players and being in on players. I mean, I heard some rumors that we were in on a couple. I think we did take, you know, some kind of run at glass now. Um, who knows? I'm sure we probably exchanged a couple conversations and maybe even, you know, had a couple packages on the table. Um, but that's not Mo or anybody else's responsibility to come out and say, uh, you know, uh this is exactly what we're doing. It's it's just not. And and you can be frustrated by it, and you could say, well, look at the track record, look at this, look at that. Uh, it's really easy to kick a guy when he's down, and I, and I get it. And I took part in a little bit of that last year myself. But here's the only thing I want to ask our listeners, and I want to make sure I hold you and I and everybody we care about to the same standard. Will we give them all the love they deserve when things go well again, which they will and may, may, may maybe as soon as this season. Right. And you know, we're, I mean, if, if you want to wake up every morning and cry about the fact that you don't have Dodger money or you don't have Yankee money or you don't have whoever money, well then sorry, I'm sorry for you because it just doesn't seem to me like a very good way to live your life but I'm not going to blame the ball club for that. You know, I'm not going to blame the front office for that. If they make a stupid move or what I perceive to be a stupid move, then yeah, I'll, I'll make my comment. But you know, the other thing that's important to think about is how long would any of us last in their jobs? Right? Like I always feel like I could manage better than Ali Marmol, but the fact of the matter is if, you know, I had to start in February and last until the end of October, you know, or the middle of October, whatever, try to get a team into the playoffs day in and day out. I don't know that I could do it. That still doesn't mean I wouldn't love to to hear the news tomorrow that they fired Mama. I just don't like him. I don't think he's a very good manager. And I, there's something about his personality I don't like. I don't think I think he's a more of a me first guy than everybody else first guy, which I think is required, especially if you're trying to be a leader in sports. But the the front office owes us nothing. And that's I'm that's a hill I'm willing to, you know, if not die on, I'm willing to take a, you know, a serious wound that might require a hospital stay of a few months. So that's that's how I feel about that. Um But, you know, part of it is also the fact that we have nothing else to talk about. There, You know, nobody's stepping in the box. Nobody's on the mound. And we're just waiting. We're waiting patiently. And in about four weeks, four and a half weeks, I mean, before you know it, we're going to have a spring training game. And I can't wait to see these young pitchers. And, you know, because the odds are that there is a pitcher that's, In our organization right now, that will either be coming north with the big club or even beyond that, potentially could be slotted into the rotation. Because as it stands right now, we've really only got four starters. And I mean, you know, four guys that you expect to pencil in for the season based on the moves you made in the offseason, based on the track record, of the guys that were already on the club. We've really only got four starters, you know, Miklas and the three we signed. And those four, to think that all four of them are going to start 30 games, that's – that's a pipe dream, right? Generally. And especially with the fact that, you know, none of them are in their early twenties. So, uh, I'm super excited about that. And I think that once that happens, and if we, you know, come out of the gate and we're at least competitive and Ali doesn't step on his junk and say something stupid about, you know, Mason win or, you know, who knows, Kyle Gibson or something, we should be fine. Um, and we're going to be, you know, we're going to be in the middle of it and we're going to be excited about it. It's going to be going strong. And we're going to be talking about everybody's play. You know, we're going to be evaluating the young guys and we're going to be looking for Newt Barr maybe to take that next step. You know, is is that potential in him? You know, is he a – uh, above average starter who, you know, maybe even flirts with all-star level occasionally. I mean, that's a big statement. I don't know if I'm, if I'm, you think I'm going too far with that?
1: No, I don't think you are. I think it could, I think you could yeah. be that.
0: Yeah, he's solid. And oh, and the other thing that I didn't uh, mention earlier was, you know, you mentioned Jordan Walker um I don't know anything about the guy. The, you know, I almost said the kid because he is a kid to me. But I don't know anything about the young man, um, really. And, you know, I'm, I think I'm going to make that one of my goals this year is to learn a little bit more about him personally, learn a little bit more about his story, his history, how he got to where he is today. You know, when especially when you have a kind of a quote-unquote phenom uh, in your organization you just always feel like they just woke up fully formed and you know ready to hit baseballs 400 feet every day but maybe uh you know i'm sure there's something else to it you know and like you know i, I don't even where's he from is he's from georgia because i think him and wayne oh, yeah yep. him and, um,
1: stone mountain georgia yeah.
0: oh he's from stone mountain oh i know yep. exactly where that is uh yeah so he, he
1: yeah did. well what i was gonna go
0: ahead
1: what i was gonna say about i was gonna say about him too just you learning about more about him and everything i know your favorite players willie mcgee and uh you like you told a story before about uh meeting him after a game i think is yep. what it was uh those kind of things and you love the person that willie yep. mcgee was and i think you're gonna find the more that you learn about who jordan walker is and, and those kind of things you're gonna Feel very similar oh, uh, about so. him. So. I'd love to have you're,
0: gonna, you're gonna
1: fall in love with this kid. I, so get excited! Oh, super,
0: uh, yeah, I mean it's this season's gonna be. I mean i I just have a feeling that the storyline second half of the year is gonna be why did you know because it's not us. There's still national media that doesn't really have us. Comp- Contending. I mean, I think it's starting to build a little bit. There's a little momentum building. Because the truth of the matter is, Dunk, when you look around at the rest of the rotations in the National League, we're going to have a competitive starter almost every night, right? Now, Sonny, Sonny, you know, assuming you're able to line up your rotation the way you want to, you know, there's going to be a few times when the other team's ace, you know, is 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 probably going to be better than Sonny, or at least should be, right? But there's also going to be plenty of times when he's when the matchup favors him. Um, you know, once we get down into our three and fours, yeah, there's probably a couple of clubs out there that potentially it's not going to look great for us. Uh, on that particular night, but I, I, I think for the majority of the season, we're going to go into every game saying, if our guy does what he does, you know, if it's Mickless say, if he gives us six and a third and gives up two or three runs, we got a chance in this game. You know, we need we. Yeah. yeah. Well, I
1: was. I was gonna say even if you get you know Lynn or Gibson and that they go five and a third and they give up four, I I would still feel okay about a game like that. Um, you know, it's not it's not like the games we had last year where you're in the second inning and you're down five right. runs, and it's you know one to five. And you're like, okay, now we gotta dig ourselves out of this and, hole.
0: And and I gotta find I gotta find seven innings uh, pitching out of my relief. or that yeah. too.
1: Yeah. But if they go five and a third, four four earned, and you're maybe even if it's you've only scored one run and it's one to four, you're like, Okay, we've got half of this game left. We can supplement this with our bullpen and our off- offense can go out there and bang, and we can we can come back in this game, and it's not going to happen every night. But our offense is good enough that they can win a majority of those games. But last year, with just how big a holes we were digging for ourselves so early, there's no way that as an offense you're going to be able to successfully dig yourself out of enough of those to be successful. So just they're just going to give us a, a chance, and our offense is good enough that we we can put something together. And so I'm I'm just excited to be in more games it's just going to be better baseball to watch yeah
0: there's every potential for us to to win 90 to 92 games and you know if we, if yeah, we, we really do. got hot we we'd do even better than that and i think if we win 92 games we win the division um you know i guess there's always the potential for milwaukee or a Cincinnati to really catch fire. Although we've already talked about the Brewers, I I think really our only competition for the division this year is going to be the Reds, and I still think they're a little young. So we'll see. I mean, you know, obviously we're gonna we're gonna be watching every game, starting uh, with game one. So we're gonna be paying attention and figuring that out. But I'm glad we were able to have this conversation today about. Uh, you know, just kind of what we as fans should expect. And you know, I'm not I'm not in the business of telling everybody else what they should do. My kids are all grown, so I'm done. You know, I'm out of that game now. Uh, and my grandkids, I have no desire to tell them what to do because they're so damn cute. They don't <laughs> they don't need to do anything different. Just keep being that damn cute, and we'll Amen be good. Yeah, uh, but. Uh, and yeah, so the grandkids are perfect and it's a great time of life and it's, you know, a great time to be a Cardinal fan. So, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it there. Uh, I'm not going to make a promise about our next pod because we're, we're still fighting through the, the doldrums, if you will, the winter, the heavy, uh, you know, the heavy, uh, days of January and, uh. You know, we do have a commitment to you all uh, that are listening that we're going to uh, – our goal is going to be every Sunday night and probably every Thursday, looks like, uh, which should work nicely during the season. We'll have – you know, we'll be able to preview the upcoming series. Uh, we'll be able to talk about the weekend series. We'll be able to talk about, you know, the uh, – exciting or outstanding things that happened around the league on a particular weekend. Um, And then we can, you know, we can obviously uh, mark time and see where we are and uh, talk about, you know, how we're going to celebrate the World Series championship this year. Uh, So Duncan and I uh, thank you, as we always do, for joining us and uh, we hope you continue to do so don't hesitate to send your comments your questions um, anything you like along to us you can find us on x Uh, we hope that everybody's able to stay warm Uh, obviously think about your animals don't let them outside for any length of time i mean if you're listening to this and you're in the st louis area uh, you're well aware, and you've been probably dealing with it now for the last four or five nights, whatever it's been. And uh, again, it's uh, this is Mark uh, along with uh, Duncan, and we thank everyone for listening. This is Broadway and Clark. We will be back with you very shortly. Go Cards!